0: The following program contains drug references, adult themes, and nudity.
1: Welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I am joined by my co-host, as always, Alex Adams. Always known, always known, always Always known, always always known known as Miss Darlinghurst. Yeah. Hi, Alex.
2: Sometimes I'm known as Alex Adams. Alex Adams.
1: Everyone says it's a superhero name, by the
2: way. I take that. Superhero name sounds pretty cool. How have you been? I've been good. Uh, I'm super excited that we launched our first episode today, Out into the World. Officially, yeah.
1: (gasps) So that's – we've actually got another episode coming out tomorrow if anyone's super eager. Um, That's with Renee, but that'll just be live on uh, iTunes, but I won't really push it too far. Uh, How do you feel about this so far? This is episode four.
2: I know. I can't believe it's episode four. It's gone by so quickly. And, you know, at the beginning I thought, how on earth are we going to talk crap for like 45 minutes (laughs) about these topics that seem, you know, just so basic? But it's amazing how the time just flies by. Yeah. and and we go into different twists and turns, and it just takes unexpected, uh, you know, angles that I didn't I didn't think we were going to talk about.
1: So actually, already we're still getting about like even though I did a little push on my own social, we're still getting about five to ten new downloads a day, which is really interesting because we really? haven't pushed. Yeah,
2: my mom like yeah, is your mom's just, just going crazy like probably she's <laughs> telling every all her friends <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> download. I was just about to be really mean. I'm like, your mom's in a knitting group. I know she's not. She's not
2: in a knitting group.
1: Well, as you know, we're actually not alone in this room. Uh, We're at uh, the advertising agency, which I work at. Uh, There's someone else with us, Rob Peters. And as Thor would say, you're a friend from work. Yes, that's right.
2: Hi, Rob. How are you
1: going? Thanks for having me. Now, Rob's pretty special. Oh, um, great. That's an awesome <laughs> way yeah, to it Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. You know, isn't that the PC term to use these days? <sighs> yeah. Uh, you, he's actually from the TV world, and I've got to be honest, I didn't really realise how extensive your entire career was, um, but I've been foraging, foraging? Foraging. Foraging. Yeah. <laughs> foraging around in your social media profiles. And I guess you're a designer and motion graphics artist by trade? Yeah, pretty much. Um,
3: I kind of feel as though TV was my entry to everything when I moved to Sydney. Um, I think it was mostly because most of the people I knew, as we all know, it's the nepotism thing that gets you all the work, really. <laughs> and um, yeah, everyone I know pretty much worked in TV. So that was my, my entry point to it all.
1: But you've worked in SBS, MTV, uh, and now you're a senior creative in an ad agency. And you're also an actor.
2: Yeah. You're I'm also a, a
1: musician. <laughs> yes. I'm going to keep going. And you're also a voiceover guy. Yes. Um, which is kind of huge. Is there anything else I've missed? Um, probably, but
3: I can't really think of it right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the acting thing comes from... Um, well, you know, I think when you work in an agency or in any kind of creative space, people are always looking to cut corners and get anyone in the office involved in anything. <laughs> so everyone who works in TV or in creative or advertising or anything like that has pretty much ended up starring in every single thing that they do. At some point or another, like everyone here, I think has been in one thing. They'll even get the cleaners in at some point to be involved in a video if it means saving a bit of money. Did that happen? Did we get a cleaner in? Uh, no, but I'm sure it will happen at some point. Yeah.
2: Is it like the chicken and egg thing, and is it like you're, you know, you're a creative, and so you kind of wound up in advertising, or is it like you know you're an actress, you work out here, or is it the other way? You kind of became more creative by working in. I don't know. That's a good question.
3: Um, my mum and my sister. Uh, actresses and they have been my mum for example is uh, she's still she's uh, she's still doing uh, uh, lots of cabaret and stuff like that all the time and uh, my sister does that kind of stuff as well and it's been in my family uh, for years since I can remember
2: and you were and, uh, totally born into yeah, it.
3: Yeah, totally. And I wanted to be an actor at one point as well. And then You're I, a drama kid through it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really? wanted to be an actor and um, and not really for the famous part. I think it was more just kind of putting on masks and pretending to be other people. But <laughs> it was – and, it, you know, it's fun. Everyone did drama in high school and some people kind of saw it as a, quote, bludge subject,
1: unquote. <laughs> but um, The most Australian way to describe a yeah. high school subject.
3: Well, yeah, everyone needs to do that one <laughs> kind of thing that they have to do, but uh, to – um. Yeah, to get there at different minors and majors. But I love drama. I think it was actually just like um, hanging out with some uh, old drama buddy friends who were actually serious about it that kind of put me off wanting to do it for uh, an actual career. Why? Which, well, I think it's because uh, money more than anything else. Yeah. And they didn't necessarily want to be on Home and Away and then moved to <laughs> LA, which seems to be, I mean,
1: I don't know. They work for Chris Hemsworth. I've yeah, well, that's the twice. best case scenario.
3: Have
2: but you seen Chris Hemsworth? He's
3: amazing.
1: So how do you describe what you do now? You know, you kind of said you've come around full circle and you kind of landed at the agency that we both work at. So how, how do you describe it? Like, you know, whether it's to your folks, whether it's to someone you just meet, or- it's,
3: it's way easier to describe what I do now than it was to describe what I used to do in TV. Because you say to someone, I work at an advertising agency, you know, they can picture you coming up with ideas for how to sell shit. Whereas what I was doing
2: before... Is that what you say? I come up with ideas to sell shit. Is that what you come up with? Is that what you say? Yeah, pretty much.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's the easiest way to kind of describe
1: what we do. Really. I have but, never said that.
3: Oh, Unless
0: you're a wanker and you go like, I'm not an ideas anthropologist.
3: Did you just call it? me a
1: wanker? This, yeah.
0: This,
3: this well, is my
1: yeah. podcast. Yeah. I started this. <laughs> oh God, I'm a wanker. <laughs>
3: um, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of... On that subject, there's a lot of people who have on their emails on the email signatures, a lot of really wanky terms to describe what they do. You know, you've got your name, your title, and it's like forward-thinking, futurist, pixel-pushing amalgamator or something like that. And haven't wow. you seen that? Like at some of these wanky
1: agencies, there's like... My favourite was um, always a receptionist who had her title as director of first impressions. Oh, I yes. love but that. But I loved it, yeah. Like, yes. I, I know it's Fantastic. wanky, but I'm like, at least it kind of, it That's sharpens true, yeah. what, she, you know, I nearly just said she, that was about to be... You know, it just shut or through. he, yeah. It was a girl who showed me this signature that came out even weirder. Um,
3: it's like a, a waiter who's like a location relocation chief engineer service officer <laughs> or something. Like Love it. Um, but the ones at some of the uh, agencies, they I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but some of them are just yeah. You just Ideas. pulled out two Quarkers. Ideas, formulator, and future-looking spyglass mission advisor or
1: some shit like that. Anyway. I've definitely seen, like, Chief, ha- Chief Happiness Officer, uh. Uh, which was... So what's it like working in television? Like, that, for me, uh, I think, was the, where I started to really notice you. And, you know, when I spoke to Alex, I'm like, oh, like, he does television. Because uh, I think, for me, that would have been the dream once upon a time. And I think certainly... You know the stations that you've worked for MTV and SBS like that's that's kind of cultural nuance that's you know a lot of art rather there's, than there's just a lot
3: of difference the way you put it then makes it sound so awesome. It sounds like I'm rove
0: or someone when you say worked in television, but, but like you
3: told to be rove to um <laughs> uh, to for the record, working in TV for me was pretty much making promos, and that's kind of like making. Shitty movie trailers for TV shows So Yeah, what is exactly. a promo? Exactly, okay So this is all I did while I was mostly working MTV there was a little bit more stuff It was a little bit more Kind of a, across the board Kind of comp spots and billboards And doing a lot more stuff But at SBS most of the time It was it was promos Now promos are the things That you see on the ads In an ad package That advertise shows That are coming up on right, show. right, right, right 7.30 this Wednesday Take a look at blah, blah, blah As we watch a whole lot of people explode uh, that's actually far more interesting than what it was, especially SBS, which was, oh, God, it was very much just um, take a journey with uh, Chris Boring Satchel as he looks at <laughs> different ways of uh, rotating barbed wire and how it's changed throughout the oh uh, throughout the ages. And then, it's, you know, basically the idea is when you're making a promo, you know, the really big budget ones will do stuff a little bit more cool, but most of the time, 90% of the time, it's just sot v.o. sot. We got, Which is just sound on tape A little bit of the show And then someone goes Get ready for blah 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 And then you play something from Some uh, clip
0: Oh yeah it's great Blah blah
3: blah And then the voice of a person goes And it's out of control And you won't believe what comes next And a bit of the show And then this 7.30 Tune in for Name of show Or something like that That's all it is It's a really boring Formulaic But what's the culture there like? Um, Well it's very different From other places I think there's a lot of people At SBS who are who've been there for a long time. So, yeah, it's a little bit different from other places, but I think TV in general is a little bit, I don't know, it, it has a different attitude than advertising, you know? <clears throat> I hope so. Yeah. Like it's – um, there's a lot of people there who only know how to do one thing and um, there's not a lot of kind of like inspirational feeling as far as creativity goes, that's for sure. Especially when all you do all day is just basically just – get handed a clip of a crap show and have to watch horrible things. And I mean, SBS, there was some good stuff you'd have to make things for. Like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I had a lot of fun making promos for that when it first started. But um, SBS's bread and butter is like tales and journeys around the world and great international rail journeys with Sam Boring person or something like that, which is usually the highest rating thing ever. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a bit dull after a while because it's not really a lot of creativity. I As I always like to put it, it's, it's kind of like the difference between a really awesome genre-changing musician and a wedding DJ. That's the difference between right. advertising when you get to create stuff right. and working in promos. But at the end of the day, it's just a stepping stone job. Like so many other jobs in this industry, which is just, you know, you just get skills, learn how to edit a little bit, and then move on to something else. Is there
2: anything you would have loved to have done promos for?
3: Oh, yeah, Game of Thrones, easily, from some of the stuff I saw, and anything funny. I mean, there was a lot of BBs. I mean, you've probably seen that viral video of the the little badger or the meerkat or whatever that's going like, Alan, Alan, (laughs) you know, stuff when you actually get to kind of get actors in and, like, I mean, that's the difference between, like, a shitty, like, wedding DJ, to bring it back to that little metaphor again, that's the difference between someone like Aphex twin and the avalanches or something. And you know,
1: yes, yes. so getting back to mainstream <clears throat> TV, cause I've just gotten back to Australia and I am terrified. Like it's crazy. So I walk <clears throat> in every morning and I was like, Oh, everyone's talking about love Island. have seen a promo for it. And I'm like, these are really smart, sensible people I work with. What's the appeal? <laughs> And then I go home at nighttime and it's shame to say I'm with my parents at the moment since getting back. My mum's first question was, have you watched Gogglebox? And I'm like, no, but I've talked to my brother about it. He says, it's terrible. She says, no, it's great. You need to sit down with us and watch it. So we watched Gogglebox and then we watched, what's the one where people are going on a holiday and their family, you know, people watch them for, no, the people are going on holiday together and it's like they're following like a group of kids around some sisters, a husband and wife. Oh, The Amazing Race? No, no, it's a different one. Um,
2: but Google and- Books is amazing because it's like you're sitting there watching people watching TV, Yeah,
1: right? I don't know if that is amazing.
2: I don't know. No, I don't think it's amazing. I think it's fascinating that people want to watch that. Yeah. I like
3: the idea because it's experimental. But at the same time, I, I'm f- so cynical. I can't help but think that they've perfectly chosen all these others. There's <laughs> got to be a couple of gay guys in there because everyone's going to love them they're going to be the ones going, oh, I can't believe that the frock she's wearing everyone's going to, I love them, you know, this is so great. Just but so at the gay. same time, no, really it just feels like every little thing that everyone's saying on that show is so thought out. Like it's supposed to be, I guess, reality, but I don't know, people are going to think I'm really cynical for saying this, but it just kind of feels like I imagine those people would just sit around and like write lines that they'll go, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm going to say that when we do our Gogglebox session this week, you know, like even the Dumbogan Bogan family, sorry families but um at the same time i can see the i can see the attraction because people want to judge people they love it that's why people love love island
1: and coming back you know we mentioned this before around the master chef phenomenon and things like that and now there's three types of master chef from what i've seen there's like a session there's yeah there's the current one then there's the kind of the masters and alex like you're a lot closer to this is is there, what's the the reasoning behind it? What's the, what are people saying about it?
2: To be honest, I don't know. (coughs) I've got to confess, I actually don't even own a TV.
1: Don't own own a a, TV? No, I
2: don't own a TV. I have a laptop and I also have a projector in my room. So when I want to watch- You own a
3: projector, but you don't own a TV.
2: so I hook up my projector and I watch movies. But yeah, I don't watch free-to-air. I don't have a TV. (coughs) So I don't really know. Um, Occasionally, like last season, I did watch Batchy. And what? I streamed it Is that it The Bachelor online. Or yeah. The Bachelorette The Bachelorette The one with Sophie Monk I watched that A couple of episodes of that you know, right. I have to admit I just wanted I, to be in On the shit. conversation no, I actually watched A little yeah, bit of see, that as well But then have you ever seen Unreal Oh I love Unreal Oh so you watch Unreal And yeah. you're like Oh my god I what can never this? watch So Unreal is basically um, a, a look at what the Behind the scenes Look at what shows it's Like The stand, Bachelor I think. Oh really Yeah Oh that's oh, quite like, cool Yeah it's really cool So they kind of show you How they set up You know those interactions Interactions and all the and stuff that goes in, in the person. back. And, and more than
3: anything, what's really interesting is it's got this really awesome female lead who I think they're supposed to kind of like position as like an ultra neo feminist, but she's, I mean, she's not really compared to how, you know, how much she <laughs> but she's be. positioned. But she's really smart and she, an
1: agitator. And
3: she and about three or four other people have the really important role. I don't know what their job title is. It's <laughs> probably producer or something like that. If they were writing it on an email in the manner that we were talking about before, it'd be like, chief manipulator of emotions or something. But basically their job is to do – is to basically just stir the pot and get all of the people talking and fighting and conflicting and, like, causing really great – Causing the drama. Yeah, causing drama.
1: And um, so is that interesting to us because the three of us work in that and therefore we're doing just what Gogglebox does because we want to see behind the scenes and want to look at people like ourselves, you know. I think a little bit, yeah.
2: I feel like there's. I mean, is there such thing as healthy reality TV versus unhealthy? I mean, I kind of look at things like MasterChef and I think, you know what, that's fairly yeah. positive. Like, I feel like there's not as much drama, but there's some really interesting dishes that they make. If there is the drama element, but compared to something like a My Kitchen Rules, which is very drama, so. Opera, kind oh, really? Of style. I can't
3: see a difference between. Them. I mean, I get snippets of hate filled rage kind of windows that I watch each of them in, but like,
2: but then, like, so MasterChef versus um, something like Love Island. I mean, is it just because I'm a foodie and I feel like MasterChef might be a little bit more highbrow, or is it they're both just trashy? I think they're both TV? just trashy,
3: and but <laughs> they do have the same level of music control to guide your emotions through the whole thing. Mm. I mean, I think a lot of the things about reality shows like that. It's all totally pivotal on the editor and their choice of, um, I think they call it emotion drums. It's like... <sharp inhale> That's when they do like a reverse cymbal and it's like, you it's said what? I <laughs> yeah, you did that so Could you do that again? <laughs> and it's, and then, then it's all fun. It's like... We've got three minutes, people. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, I can't believe the souffle hasn't risen yet. Dun, 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 dun. And then... <sharp inhale> when they drop something or they fucking lose a spoon or some shit. We've lost a spoon! Um, And then it goes, shh, And they've probably got about like half a second worth of footage, but they stretch that half a second into about like 30 seconds. And then it goes to a shot of the person in a studio going, and then I can't believe it, then I lost a spoon. And it goes back, they show the same footage again, maybe they might use different fucking takes. It's just, I don't know, it's... Entertainment for stupid people, really. It's, see, I know it, it's really easy to kind of like go, yeah, Well, yeah, I wish you could see I was, if I was smoking a cigarette saying that, but if you need to be guided through the emotions you're supposed to be feeling by watching something
1: no, with your music, then I don't know. I totally disagree because every great movie has great music. It has music so that you,
3: helps, but it doesn't totally
1: yeah, like, yeah, guide but, the but that's whole the whole point. It's, it's like what you can shoot. Um, and also they've got actors who are actually like doing
3: stuff the whole time that's... Can you imagine watching a movie and then going back and watching the same scene again? Well, I do. So it's like called good, Aliens and yeah. I don't stop watching no, it. Not you watching it, but the editor going back and that'd be actually a brilliant idea. Can you imagine that Like Ripley like shoots the Queen Alien in the head and then goes to a one-shot of her going like... And then the alien just showed up. It was actually... I'd take that back. That would be amazing to watch that, but you know I think it'd get a bit boring after a
1: while. But that's the difference, I think. There's, there's a... And whether it's culinary because you really like food, Alex and therefore you understand the process behind it. I guess at a base level, that kind of one human truth around, we all have relationships, uh, so therefore everyone kind of appeals to something like Love, Love Island. I think what you're pointing out, though, is it's lowest common denominator. Mm. And so then when you come back to something like Chef, it's like, I understand this, and there's merit and expertise in what they're saying. Whereas I think your unhealthy TV, there's no merit, it's pure judgment. And yes, I think there's judgment on all those levels. Gogglebox is like they pick all these people because either you can relate to them or you can't, so you find it a spectacle. Whereas something like MasterChef, I think, starts to bridge that of like there are some experts telling people what, they did, what they're doing wrong. Whether it's My Kitchen Rules, it's your peer group saying I don't like your napkin because yeah. I've seen that <laughs> as well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I've seen that as well. I don't and like I can't your napkin. Watch My Kitchen Rules it it actually bothers me like i feel uncomfortable master chef i don't like but it's not like i have to leave the room
2: well look i'm a foodie and to be honest i actually don't even watch any of them i look and i look at food every day i when i go home it's the last thing i actually want to look at even chef's table like i've watched most of them but i, I you know i don't love it i do like things that are more relationship-based or do if I'm going to watch some trash TV. Sometimes just so want to are you a Love Island watcher? I haven't watched Loved, Love I Island. Just say that I, I said, take the I relationship
3: watched- ones over... The food Or the singing ones Any day of the week
2: If I just Easily. want to oh, See now I love shows like uh, You know america well, The voice got is at the very
3: or, bottom it's But, the but voice I just is watch is it on worst.
2: YouTube Because I don't want to watch the ads And uh, you know I like cutting through it The only but, good
3: bits Are the bits at the start Where all the crap people are there Everyone knows this uh, No one's no, saying it No but then
2: it. you get This little girl comes out <laughs> And she's tiny And you're like That little girl's gonna do something feel And then i like like breaks that out story a voice a million Like million times Harry. But so the latest thing I feel like everyone's starting to watch at the moment is like real crime murders. So yeah. there was obviously the, podca- like the podcast around Making a Murderer and mm. now we've got all these different um, – it wasn't a podcast, it was on Netflix, right? So we watched the Netflix Making a Murderer. But Serial was Cereal. the big podcast. Yeah, Serial, sorry, S-Town. was the podcast. Um, and, yeah, I feel like that at the moment everyone's like real crime. Is that the latest thing, do you Yeah, think? yeah,
3: I think so. Well, like, at least in the last you know couple of years um, – I think True Detective kind of like brought it into the
1: mainstream, but in a way, that's a drama and that's different from the podcast kind of thing as well. Uh, So there's two uh, true crime podcast uh, authors that I'm really interested in getting on the show and I really want to talk to them about, well, what is it that suddenly made it popular? Is it the fact that, hey, I saw, I, I listened to Serial, I watched Making a Murderer and therefore I understand this genre? Or is it something bigger in terms of, uh, this idea around, because all those shows are really social justice shows. Uh, sorry, not even uh, social justice, but true justice, does justice work? What do we believe in the system? So is it, a, is it a bit of a revolt against, we don't believe these things that work, now we have storytellers to, make, to show us it doesn't work? Versus something like MasterChef, which is uh, we want to be slightly educated, then to the lowest common denominator of we understand relationships and relationships affect everyone, so therefore we want to watch it. Because all those things to me point to two things. And I, let's get on to where you're watching them because that interested me as well because the fact that you don't even own a TV I think is kind of uh, more telling of kind of publishing content production. Mm-hmm. So is it that we're more involved with what's happening behind the scenes because we're done with television in the sense we're li- living in kind of a post-story kind of era and we understand what's behind the story? Or is it because we are now have more choice, so these types of genres are popping up, so therefore they can be funded, so therefore we can watch more of them?
2: That's an excellent question. Rob?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, well, the first thing that kind of jumped to mind when you said all that was I don't think it's that complex. For me, personally, uh, if you're asking the difference between why people aren't watching free-to-wear as much as opposed to streaming... I would say I was yeah, Okay well, <laughs> well uh, Reality as opposed to You know high quality drama I think Yeah I that, have that, that's always the liked all That's the real question That's a better way to put it Well all the stuff I liked on Free to Wear Was usually drama Or the more high quality stuff anyway And I Hate advertising <laughs> It's that simple You know like Every now the and then man. Well yeah Like well I hate TV advertising I don't like having a They're getting just out of control now I mean it's silly Yeah the, How long the ad packages are Is just crazy let me just say that again, like, um, commercially like- old man. The amount of time that they put on there for just so many ads, I just can't believe it. Anyway, so I'm just going to do that so that no one can point that out to me. Um, yeah, but it's just silly, especially when you don't watch free to Wear, and then every now and then you watch something on free to Wear, and you go, oh, give it a bash, you know, it's there. And you go, what the hell, they just had an ad break. And then, like, half of the ad package is promos. And it's like, dude, I'm watching your channel already. Just let me be. But does that mean
2: closer like, towards the end of the movie? Like, I always find like the yeah. ad packages are shorter, and then I'm really enthralled in the movie. And then yep. towards the end of the movie, the packages get longer.
1: Is that a thing? No, I, I, I could, think
2: that is a thing. Because
1: I'd guess, yeah, that's no, 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 they do, they do. Really? Oh. More frequent yep.
2: ads and longer.
3: And then they get greedy about the interval true. between as well. Were well, you guys, guys it,
2: work in advertising? <laughs> I think that's what happens. We in that kind
1: of advertising.
3: They'll get to a point where, and they really don't give a shit about the dramatic kind of narrative flow of the story. Either there'll be someone going, I've always loved that, Go, buy 20% off and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, I was just about, why is that? Don't you kind of, like, put the packages between scene cuts? But
2: well,
1: yeah, it, yeah. it feels natural in like a, a, a crime, uh, a, like some kind of uh, procedural crime show. But it took me, like, three hours to watch the original Jurassic Park the other night in Freedom. Oh, to my Earth. God. Wow. That might be exaggerated. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be surprised.
2: Jai did some digging, and then he sa- sent me your SoundCloud, and I was listening to one of your tracks in the Uber on the <laughs> way here. Um, I th- it's called Mut something Mut. Did uh, you
1: get the Mut?
3: <laughs> Never seen the Mut. Never, Never seen, seen, seen the, the mut. mut. Yeah.
2: And Mut is another word for.
3: Um, a.
2: Vagina. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't know why I kind of stopped second. Like, you got yeah. shy.
2: I know why you stopped Well, no, it's because, <laughs> like, which word should I use? high fiber. high fiber. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause
3: there's
1: that.
2: laughs> you made a song about the vagina, and well, I yeah, played Yeah, what's it really
3: about the vagina? That's more about... It's definitely about the vagina. Well, yeah, like, it's, yeah the chorus talks about it's that. Called but it's have Never Seen
2: the Moot, and I played it. <laughs> Out loud in front of my Uber driver, and he was pissing himself. He awesome. thought it was the funniest thing. You've got another SoundCloud follower. He thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. So, awesome. We'll, uh, we'll share this track now. with you guys online. But yeah, we'll, we'll, what was the um, inspiration th- behind <laughs> Well, you know, never like when you're sitting around
3: t- with mates and you've got private jokes about, you know, you see a junkie on the train or something like that, and you go, oh, this junkie came on, and he was like, oh, I'm no, man, I just want to get some fucking, and instantly, bang, there you go, you got a character. You know, you're talking about, you know, two people having an argument on the train or some guy that you see is vomiting on himself. Bang, you do an impression of it. It's a character and you go, you know, I should probably put that into a song at some point. Bang, you know, it's just like instant entertainment. Could
2: you do some song for us?
3: Well, not really. Not without my, uh,
0: not without my in- instruments. Why don't we go to the track now?
1: So <laughs> let, let's talk about your impersonations though because... Um, so when I met Rob, I didn't really know much about him, but eventually, oh eventually somebody said, you need to get him on your voiceovers. And I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. Like, great. Cause I wanted to be the voiceover guy. Right. But the damn mics, I wanted to do it. Rob. Oh really? Yeah. I want to hear some of your voiceovers. Fuck off you, have. you just don't like them. No, I don't know he anything about it like except them except till he now. Like any of them. Um, and then you and I had a few late nights together and suddenly we realised that we would stay in character and ignore entire parties of people uh, <laughs> like losers. Standing was in your um, it was your oh, character, Jai? It was everything I'm from Chopper Reed. I'm a big fan of Chopper <laughs> Reed. That was a long discussion. <laughs> and then it right. was uh, long nights of the eastern suburbs kind of bro. Uh, sometimes I get very camp with who I was doing. But then... Rob, who was, I think, humoring me at the point, pulled out some fucking stellar impersonations. And I need to put you on the spot for my favorite one. So you know Roos Bolton from Game of Thrones? Yes. <clears throat> you need to hear this. Please, please uh, do
2: Bruce Bolton.
1: just got to think of, that's the thing about doing
3: impression, is like it's really easy to do the voice, but you've got to think of something you so, to say. You can't just go and, like 40%
0: off wholesale carpets from Carpet Court or something like that. But um, As soon as you are well enough to travel... I will allow you to go to King's Landing to offer restitution for your travels. You will allow one bastard per person. Several bastards shall be distributed amongst your party. Anyone cut in the head will have their head cut off and sewn on again as a bastard. All of my bastards. I am Bruce Bolton. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Keeper of bastards. The
0: thing about Bruce Bolton is even though he's a bastard himself, a bit of an asshole as well. There's this kind of slight disinterest about how he's talking. It's like he's going, move the furniture over there. Yeah, that's better. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How long do you think you're going to be? Oh, I just want you to put the boiler in and move out. Ah, yes. Forever young. The Lannisters send their regards.
2: Wow. Is it hard hot. being funny?
3: Like you're uh, funny no, That's such a setup. No but this is If I say anything I'm, I'm like I don't know Yeah it is Yeah I feel like And I
1: know you're not Going to say anything But when I met Rob I'm like He's funny He's not fun But he's actually funny Right Hang on What was that first He's bit? not fu- You're not
2: fun <laughs> You suck to go out with. But you're funny Oh that sucks
1: He's not fun I didn't mean it like that But I'm like Like literally When we write an ad We say to clients We're like Do you want this to be fun Or funny Like funny I'm like But you don't mean Ha ha funny You mean like enjoyable Because being funny Is really really difficult And that's what Rob I think And it's really subjective as well Because
3: it'd be be, You can't be rude To a client But what I would want to say is Do you want this to be Big bang theory funny Or actual funny you cunt But I'm not going to say that Oh god I can't say the c word here Can I But um But yeah, it's such a subjective thing as well. Like, we can't, you know, I find things that are on the side of absurdism pretty damn funny. But at the same time, I feel like everyone around me has the same sense of humor as me. But
2: how many you know. times have you called a client? I can't.
3: I've never, <laughs> never. Of course not. I did.
1: I've done it once. Really? No, mate. Oh, so, can we no talk way. about that after? <laughs> I need to know about that. But um, what's going on with this creep? Wow.
2: But, well, like, is it something that you're just, you know, are you born funny? Do you become funny? Are you, like, how, how do you think you became funny? <laughs> <laughs> well, all of the people I, know, I know. Genuinely, well, did interested. people just stop Again, laugh and start
1: laughing at you one day?
0: Well, you know, one day they just found the laughter on the ground.
3: Well, like, were you bullied but,
2: uh, and it came out of a place of, like, I wouldn't you know, be surprised.
3: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because, like, thinking about Robin Williams and how yeah. Jim Carrey's kind of losing his mind a little bit lately. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the greatest comedians are a little bit kind of like mentally tainted in some way. They've got some kind of like – pretty much depression seems to be like a really strong prerequisite for comedians. Yeah, but it's not like they're putting up an ad going, prerequisite must be depressed. But it's kind of a it's it's really common how, you know, um, know, depressed a lot of celebrities are. But at the same time, like I think there's something about self-awareness and comedy that go hand in hand as well. I'm so not the first person to say that, by the way. Like, It's not like I'm kind of like discovering this for the, the first time. That probably like more Yeah, like, absolutely. Know. Like in a lot of people kind of, you know, the best kind of comedy, the stand-up comedy for me is ob- is like observational. And it's usually, you know, people that just seem like they're on a mic and they're just a funny guy in the corner of the room just like talking about shit as opposed to someone doing a routine. You know, they're usually the most successful well. comedians are of that, that kind
1: of ill. Well, if you look at meme culture, meme cult- culture is observational yep. humor, and condensed down to a like to one a visual. Frame. Yeah, yeah. And so what I say to people is that memes that you know you and I find funny, you know Alex might not find funny, and that's specific, and that's purposeful because comedy is not broad reaching. Hmm. You know, we used to think that the comedy of say a Seinfeld or an Eddie Murphy was broad reaching. But that was the television audience. And there were plenty of people who didn't find that funny. But they're the comedians we had because they had access to television. So if you look at meme culture, any meme that we write, you know, even for our own clients now, has to be specific to that audience, which is no different to any other marketing, but it is observational humour. And because of programmatic advertising, it means that you're only targeting the people who will find it funny in the first place, so it's low risk. So, so what's, your, what's your compulsion to imitate people? Because I've seen you do Chopper Reed. I've seen you do... Oh, it's just Do a Snake. It's What's yeah. his name? Oh, my God, I feel terrible. Alan Rickman. No, Alan Rickman.
0: No, no, Mr. Potter. No. Three, <laughs> 300 points to Gryffindor. Actually, I fucked that up. Let me do it again. No,
2: that was pretty good.
0: No, 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 Mr. Potter. It's all about his pausing. That's it. I really need cans so I can
3: hear how I'm doing this right now. But, um... I don't know. It's just it's just geek obsession, really. At the end of the day, everyone I know who loves movies and TV and stuff usually has a has a has an impression or two up their sleeve. Everyone seems to have one Michael Caine <laughs> at one point. Uh, everyone seems to have Michael an Arnie. Um, it's like Shakespeare, really. Everyone's got a one soliloquy that they do more than anything
1: else. So, so Alex and I also looked at your acting. Clip. Most recently from your things aren't done like they were done in the nineties, <laughs> which I don't know whether it was nostalgia funny, seeing you imitate what I can only imagine is a nineties IT guy moved to a psychopath, a psychopath yeah. in a suit. The suit one, psychopath, right?
3: Um, well, they're all psychopaths, well, the really. The jockey, but
1: <laughs> what's it? What's it like being an actor? You know, if I'm really honest, Alex, and I know you've wanted to do the acting thing, I would have loved to have done it, but. Even for me, I get so nervous and I I worry so much that I've never been able to do it. I get nervous as shit as well,
3: in case you can't already tell. Um, but the great thing about doing things like that where you wear a costume is that you're hiding behind the costume. Again, it's been said before a million times, but like that one was really costumey based, even though I was hiding behind a mustache or like, you know, psychopath glasses. But that's really easy to do because that's just when you've got the costume, you're just in a character. It's so much easier to be someone else than to actually be it. Like, I've, I've got so much of a respect for stand-up comedians because they're they're them. They're on stage. They're just them and a mic talking about themselves and all that kind of thing. But people who are a character, you, it's easier. You know, you can just kind of put on a voice. And I, I find it much easier, you know, at, you know. obviously my music is just me being other characters. That's so much easier than actually going like, I broke
0: up with a girl and it really makes me sad.
3: Actually, that was kind of fun then. But, like, normally that would be really difficult, you know, someone like, recorded. you know, that's really easy to just do comedy and just kind of like, you know, put on a, a character. But, like, there's a lot more at stake, I guess, of not being taken seriously when you are just a songwriter who is just basically bearing your soul. So being someone else is easy. Wearing a mask is easy. That's why it's easier to do that. Yeah. What do you think, Alex?
2: Do comedians often hide behind that? I mean, we've touched on that. A uh,
3: well, bit. The, the ones that do a character do, I think, more. But um, ones that have a guitar do more and just do music probably, you know, can hide behind it a little bit. But they're a Can you hide behind it? Oh, absolutely. Jesus Christ. But I'm not a stand up comedian, so like I'm not even, you know, kind of in the same game as those guys. But I think about people like, well, I have to say, Louis C.K. I mean, I loved him. Before all that stuff happened, it's such a shame hearing about that because. He was my favourite stand-up comedian and I always thought he was so human and um, it's just such a shitter that, like, he, you know, it's kind of like finding out about Kevin Spacey as well is really disappointing, purely selfishly because I want to find out what happened at the end of House of Cards when <laughs> anything
0: else with him being
3: involved. But, um, yeah, no, I think a lot of comedians uh, hide behind stuff, but the, the ones that are, are the best at their craft are the ones that totally expose themselves as well. All the best ones are crazy.
2: I think what's really interesting about this episode is, you know, we're all about making and creating. I mean, and a lot of people need external tools to do what they do, whereas you, it's just you, you know, like you don't have anything to hide behind. Essentially, you manipulate your voice, you come up with the lines, you read the lines and deliver them, you know, as an actor, as a voiceover, as a presenter, Um, it's, it's just you. Um, compared to, you know, like uh, pre- previous episodes, you've got cups that you rep- you've you made, you've got um, haircuts that you've delivered. Yeah. But you, it's you. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting to delve a little bit into that.
1: So everyone we're talking to um, so far has created something that is external to them. But I think the reason that I was really interested to talk to you and kind of when I was talking to Alex about this, I'm like, you just kind of got to meet Rob. I'm like, he kind of, all aspects of his life are making things, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's him and do you ever think there's a toll it takes on you do you think there's an outlet it gives you like what's what's the balance there um I don't think it's a toll I think it's
3: uh yeah it's totally catharsis if you've got all these you know things you need to do and you know everyone has an out they need and if it matches what you do for a job as well that's awesome so yeah there's no real toll I think there's a lot of a toll for people who are inward looking like actors and stuff who have to Uh, for a script or for a story, think about darkness and sadness and, you know, go to that dark place. And I think that definitely takes a toll on your life. But, you know, I think for the purposes of just expression, it's catharsis more than anything else, which is great. It's good, you know. We're not working in the um, business of uh, death, really, and darkness and stuff. Like, I think people who are working as policemen or something like that have a far worse time. But, you know...
1: Do you think yeah. you need this?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, what do you think would happen if you didn't do
3: it? It's really funny when you asked me that question before and I thought about it. It's like it uh, reminds me of the last scene in Spinal Tap, you know, when he's going, What would you be doing if you weren't doing this right now? I'll oh, probably purveying some kind of good or service or something. <laughs> he does that whole bit about being a shoe, uh, shoe salesman anyway. It's really hard to get away from that. <laughs> oh, I've got that at the back. What size are you? <laughs> um, what would I be doing? Um, I don't know. I, it's hard to think that I wouldn't be doing something involved in creating yeah. stuff in some way. Yeah. I did work in radio. as one of my first jobs, and but that was more working in news, and I loved that because I loved how fast and intense a newsroom was, but I got bored really quickly because it wasn't really me. It was just – I mean, that's the thing about being in your 20s. You do a whole lot of jobs which are more kind of facilitating other people's work and not really kind of getting to do anything really yourself, so – I don't know, a freelance server of goods and services, maybe uh, shoes. That's all I got, sorry.
0: That's all I've got, sorry. That's all I've got, sorry. That's all I got, sorry. That's
2: all I got, sorry. <laughs> Rob, you're hilarious. I feel like we could have you on every episode and you could just change your voice and no one would ever know that you're a different person. Uh, yeah, you're awesome and I would love to have you on the show in future capacity yeah. in any way that we can. Maybe we can just get you doing some cameos or something. Or I don't know. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah, I think nah, that'd be thanks great. for having me. No, thank you very much. And thank you guys for tuning in and listening to another episode of Maker and Creator. If you want to share your own creativity with us, drop us a line at our Facebook group Maker and Creator pod or individually you can tweet or Instagram Jai. He's at at Jai Smith or at Double Star Co or you can always hit me up at at Ms Darlinghurst tell us what questions you wish we'd ask if there's anything that inspired you any comments or thoughts or if you know someone uh, who should we should be speaking to our maker and creator definitely get in touch we'd love to hear from you thank you
1: thanks Rob thank you
3: <laughs>